Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Life Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Smith. And if you have not done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another episode. And if you love this podcast and want some more tips and tricks on how to improve yourself, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. There are a ton of instructional videos there. You can find the links below. But for today, my guest is Rye Hickey. Hello, hello. Rye, my man. How is it that what you do impacts other people's lives? Just comes out guns blazing. I love it. How do I impact people's lives? Well, primarily it's, it's uh, by way of nutritional manipulation, but obviously that comes along with a bunch of other byproducts um, that, you know, that's a great question to ponder on. And it's probably one that's better answered by my clients, really, because you see such a spectrum of, of change. Some are just, you know, ready to implement and um, really embrace the, the changes and starting, starting the process of, you know, measuring and managing their nutritional intake and lifestyle behaviors. And then others are so much more hands-on and they're also the more fulfilling ones, you know, that, that can be that can have the most tremendous life changes, like well beyond just what they look like physically. So I just do my best to meet people where they're at, man, and um, continue filling my toolkit and overcoming my own challenges and then doing my best to apply that to people that have similar struggles. Nice. I like that. So you're yeah. teaching someone else how to get out of the same mess that you found yourself in once upon a time, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could say that. What do they say? The, your mess is your message. Yeah. I think that's just some marketing. It uh, is. <laughs> love, but, but yeah, no, it's definitely, I mean, I think that that's, um, that definitely is the stuff that resonates the most. Like when I'm sitting down, I'm writing, you know the deal. Sometimes you'll just be like, oh, I got this. I just had this client call and you're reflecting on it. And then you're like, I'll go on this tear of either a IG story, a video, or just like a text feed or writing of content for a script that I'm going to do. And um, so often the stuff that seems to resonate the most with my kind of ideal client is the stuff that, to your point, is like, the mess that I found myself in. So just being like taking that moment to really transport yourself as best you can back to where you were at, which is really hard to do because our brains are not great at that. They're good at distorting the reality of, of our pasts, but um, in either direction, really. But like being able to think, what was I think? Like, what was the biggest challenge, you know? And, and then just trying to speak to that. It's like, even just with a simple practical example of like starting to track your nutrition. Like I was so against that. I never did that. I thought it was obsessive. I thought it was so time consuming and this just big crazy thing that only like, you know, people with eating disorders or bodybuilders did. And then seeing, you know, juxtaposing that or co contrasting that to like, the level of misery that I created for myself back then with just 
lack of results and frustration and like roller coaster of hyper restriction followed by just total disinhibition and loss of control of intake and how I approach it now as a result of tracking my nutrition. It's like just this thing that drives me. It's like, man, I want people, I, I, I have to help people discover this. You can have delicious treats and progress within your, your journey towards, you know, a healthy body. And so I try and like transport myself and be like, what was I thinking? What was I, what were the narratives that were occurring in that moment? And those definitely when I can successfully, oh yeah, I used to have this belief. And then I can speak to that now being on the other side of it. People are like, oh man, that's, I get more messages as a result of that than probably any other form of, of content really. That's fair. Yeah. So on the, on the, on the note of changing beliefs, cause I think that's really cool it, that, uh, that we can mold our beliefs. We can change the story. So let's say what's a common, uh, false belief or not, maybe not false belief because people believe that it's real at that time. <clears throat> but what is the common belief that you find yourself guiding people through? Good question. Um, common one I would say one of the most common ones is um some form I'll keep it general cuz it's more applicable but it's some form of dogmatic dietary bs that they've been convinced of via some charismatic influencer who's selling supplements or something. Again, I won't like throw people under the bus, but there's just so much of that nonsense that goes on. And it's this, it's this interesting sort of dynamic of the nutritional realm in that those who are doing the actual research, who are actual scientists, who actually have their PhDs in nutrition and not like, they're not chiropractors turned you know, YouTubers or whatever, it's like, though, they're not, they're often, they're, they're rarely the, you know, they're rarely as good looking, charismatic, and like, driven to, to, you know, um, be in the public eye, because doing research is, is so time consuming, and like, they're just kind of more like nerdy scientists. And I think there's an emergence of like, definitely um i don't want to paint like a dystopian picture but you know the deal there's just it's a bit of a, a interesting thing out there and as Smash. a new yeah and as a new coach like i remember when i first started you're just like holy shit how do i how do i approach this stuff when someone comes and they're like they just believe that like you know carbs equals fat gain like carbs cause insulin an insulin response and insulin causes fat gain like they don't have any there's just it's a belief it's just set it's like carbs equals fat gain that's it and so that's just this like whoa this uh um this 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 deep um deeply entrenched belief that people come into a program with but they're frustrated as all hell with their results so they're obviously like meekly putting their hand up or whatever but yeah, the 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 
sort of dissection and bringing awareness to like, okay, this is my belief. And then helping one start to poke holes in it. It's, it's, it's an art form. It's not this, like, you can't just spew the science on them. You have to be like, tell me about where that came from. Like, interesting. Like what, what was it that, that got you interested in that? Or, okay, you learned it from this guy. Okay, cool. And like, again, it's this, it's this crazy, but, but beautifully challenging balance of, of just being genuinely curious and knowing that on the other side of that, you can actually help them create more freedom within their lives and nutrition. It just expands. It's like we all eat every single day for the most part, unless we're doing a lot of fasting. Yeah. And um, so it's just like food, food is a big, big thing. Like nutritional intake, it, it is, far more it's it's far reaching mm-hmm. you know so it's usually it's around that all of us yes exactly yeah. we all chow food you know <laughs> yeah, and we all love it we all love food i guess and the other one would be like just sort of let's say someone who's always been overweight and that's just in there it's like i've always been overweight and there's this underlying whether they say it directly or not there's this underlying belief i'll always be overweight because I always have been. They don't even know what it they don't even know what it's like to be of normal body composition. So there's just this like there's this like underlying sort of belief and then they have all this doubt wrapped up in another program that they're trying because they've tried a bunch of other shit and their family has learned to basically you know their all their affiliations are like here we go again, you know. Mm-hmm. Jimmy's going to go through this and then they're going to fucking rebound. It's like, I I strive to, you know, pr- try and do it in a way that can be sustainable. And like a big part of that is, is just that nurturing of the relationship and helping them break, break those beliefs for good. Totally. And it's also hard to, it's hard for people to understand what the opposite side of something if we understand one side is really tough to understand the other, we've never experienced it before. And if we've been in a place for so long and that becomes our new normal, then we just, we don't have any information to be like to compare it to. So it's hard to really pursue something. If there's just no idea of what it's like, like if you're like, tried something then you're like oh i want to try more of that but some people just have never tried 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 yes totally man i i that's such a that's such a fascinating like philosophical topic that i just love because man it's like i think i wrote a post about this the other or the other week as well about like you know that it's very it's human like I can't, by observation, I can't see that you have evidence of knowing what it's like to go through what I'm going through. Mm. Therefore, whatever you're telling me is moot. It's like a human, it's like a glitch. It's like, nah, man, like, you don't know what this is like. And the more that I learn about just the human experience and actually 
you know, just reading like fairly heavy, like dense scientific lick lit in like psychology and, and just human behavior stuff. It's, it's like the more that I, and I, I most of this stuff comes back to me because to your point, it's like, I go, I don't know what that's like. I don't know. Like I've been, I've been very frustrated with my results, so to speak, and put way more effort towards my fitness and nutrition and gotten like next to nothing in, in, in uh, results back. That's frustrating. But like, I don't know what's like to be morbidly obese. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that's like. Um, so then for me to just be like, so curious like genuinely just like what is that like and then the and it's intermittent for me man like this will be an ongoing journey it's like i want to be just so present and truly just okay with confrontation with with not having the answers with being appearing like the dumb person you know, like all my fucking like insecurities from past, just being okay with all of that things that I've very understandably as a human just like learned to try and combat. And then, you know, like humans usually do um, overcorrecting, you know, mm -hmm. trying to use a bunch of fancy words and confusing everybody and, and myself and then <laughs> being like, well, that that doesn't really accomplish what I ultimately want. Yeah. And so the point being it's like that that curiosity is is just it's it's this again hard to describe there probably is a science to it but we don't really have the tools to really know what it is yet um but it's like that that genuine curiosity is what ultimately gets the other person more bought in they're like mm -hmm. man mm -hmm. fuck rye really actually does care he like listens to me and he asks amazing questions like we were talking about before you started recording, like you ask good questions and people think about that, like, man, that really got me thinking. And then it's not even this, it's not even like I'm giving specific advice on a call sometimes. It's just like they then they then are like, well, what did I miss from my call with Rye last time? Oh, he said this at his last check-in, like, I'm going to try that. And they wouldn't have done that if I... I was just like, well, you didn't do this last week, you know, and it's more less curious and more accusatory, even if it's mm -hmm. just a underlying tone, you know, mm -hmm. I think I got way off track there, but that's, <laughs> nah, man, I'm all about tangents. Realistically, <laughs> it's like, I, I, I think about it and we have the Facebook live going and I just think, oh yeah, shit. I forgot there was other people here. I'm, I'm just listening to you, man. Selfishly, it's all good. Uh, have you always always had that curiosity, or is it more of a not newer, but more of a uh, learned practice? It's more learned, hundred percent. Yeah. What were to you be, like before you were curious? I was more self-absorbed, man. I was like, I was too wrapped up in my own shit, and still do. You know, I still get wrapped up in my own shit. Like it's, it's a constant sort of training and retraining of, of like just being able to, you know, say, where, where am I coming from, from an energy perspective and such. And I don't, I don't love the like metaphysical shit. I've, 
I've definitely veered towards more of like there is probably a, a science of of behavior that we don't really know mm. yet. Like I sort of touched on before, very Dr. Cashy like inspired. He definitely lit this kind of fire in me and got me interested in a bunch of different realms of just uh, behavioral therapy and and all kinds of stuff that's more oriented towards like action and less about you know metaphysics but um but but there's no denying that that there it's just it's like there's something that I lack the intellect and vocabulary to describe but it's like if I train over and over and over and just view everything as a skill and and in, in our profession arguably the most important skill is what we're talking about that like curious presence and like ability to just really want to understand and also just knowing that we we like we suck at communication generally humans because like we have different definitions for words so it's like well what do you mean by that and it's like genuine and then they go oh because I would have thought something totally different and yet that's where in the past I would have just said oh I know what he's talking about let's go in this direction here's this advice mm. and instead it's like hmm Interesting. So I've had some clients who've used that phrase before, but I want to hear like, what does that mean to you? And then they go and then they elaborate. And and then I have a clearer vision of what they're actually feeling and going through. And it it's a double win because they're going to be more bought in. Like we, me showing that genuine interest helps them kind of just whether it's, conscious or you know kind of behind the scenes they're more bought into yeah rise actually there he's actually listening but it's definitely that's a long-winded version of saying it was more learned for sure awesome yeah i personally love your answers and i love the summary at the end of it it's, it's a perfect tie-in oh, just awesome. loop it all in. yeah yeah it's like gonna go full circle all right. yeah it's like i'm gonna tell you my life story and then i'm gonna <laughs> and then i'm gonna somehow tie it back to your question oh, no that's awesome i love it yeah I, I don't mind the elaborate one but i absolutely agree that the uh engaging in curiosity i think um i've been a lot more inclined to do that as a intentional practice in the last two years especially and i walk a lot so i i try i try to veer towards i'll listen to music obviously and podcasts audiobooks but I'll also try to just not listen to anything and just kind of let things flow to me so that I can just process things. Um, <clears throat> I find that there's a lot of information coming at us and there's a lot of input and we only have so much cognitive space. So I think it's very important to have an intentional practice to recycle that information, to bring in new information. And one thing- I like that. One thing about like, uh, ain't too bad, hey? One thing about- uh, <laughs> That's one thing with like general, in general, like as a whole, uh, a societal kind of thing where I find or I observe that there is the expectation to know everything all at once, just like the movie, mm -hmm. but without mm -hmm. the time traveling or the multiple universes and stuff. But um, I, th Until I think Elon that, puts the chips in yeah, our brains and then we're good. Yeah, exactly. But I find that there's a, just that crazy expectation of just wanting, having to know everything and yeah. Kendra and I don't have a TV. We barely watch, like we watch Netflix 
sparingly. And then we just like shoot the shit most of the time. And mm. we just are very, we're consciously like regulating our information. Mm-hmm. And when we like hang around people, then we're also a lot, con- everything that I hear from other people is new to me. Mm. So it makes it easy to engage with curiosity because I just yeah. never, I haven't heard anything. It's like, oh, have you heard about this celebrity's thing? And I'm like, no. And if I'm yeah, interested, yeah, yeah. then I'll just go yeah. to YouTube, right? Yes, yeah. So in saying that, what is a value of society that you have no value in? Oh, that's a good question. That I have no value in. It's you can probably kind of view that how you wish. Yeah, no, I hear you. I like that it's semi semi vague because it does help. Like I would say, I would say, as funny enough, it ties in with maybe you incepted this with your example, but like it ties in with um with um your example of just knowing about, you know, a celebrity or something like that. Um I definitely and I, I, I have, it's like a, I guess I'd say this because it's something that I, I don't really, it's like a, I understand it. It's a human sort of piece of programming. And I, I have it in myself, this kind of just interest in, you know, a celebrity type folk or something. Um, but when it just, it just spirals. So uh, like, we're just humans are so good at going to such extremes that I think that kind of, again, very natural human impulse is just like amplified by way of social media and mm-hmm. magazines and like websites and such that it just, um, it just makes all the stuff that, that, you know, we do with clients and do with ourselves that much more challenging even as an example to you're like you guys not having a tv man how easy is it to get hooked into a series like bro series of shows these days are so good there's such high production value and crazy good acting it's like no wonder i mean i don't have netflix either for that reason because i know that if i have netflix i'm gonna watch netflix and then boom, there you go. There's like probably eight hours out of my week that's just disappeared totally. to something that I don't value, something that I really, I don't, I don't want to be. What I get out of human connection is not like, oh, have you seen this show lately? It's mm-hmm. like, what's interesting you these days? What are you reading? And maybe that's, I'll play devil's advocate with myself. Maybe that's like just a form of self judgment because. I don't think that's a bad thing it's, and I don't want to seem like I'm kind of brand on my high horse. Like, no, what are you reading? But like, I just, I get so much more value out of it than, than an intense, uh, like a, an engaging show. I don't feel good after that. If I sit down and read for an hour, I feel amazing. And I want to talk to people about it. And I want to like, to your point about walking, you're thinking about how would I, could I describe that? Could I explain that to someone? So I don't know if that answers your question. No, I think that was good. It was, yeah, I like the, I like the, um, the part that I liked about the last little nugget there was, where was it? Where was it? Where was it? Netflix. 
There was Netflix. Yeah. No TVs. Oh, reading. it was it was um, what you get out of human connection is not through television shows. Right. Yeah. I think that I think that was really cool. I, I really like that uh, descriptor there. Man, this is a really good one. So what is it? Uh, we were talking about psychology beforehand. You're mm-hmm. going into psychology. And mm-hmm. now I'm just going to ask you about it. So what, what drove you to or what inspired you to pursue that? Um, it's pretty, I'll keep it concise. And it's ultimately the, to help someone with their nutrition is pretty straightforward with their nutrition and lifestyle, pretty straightforward. We know the blueprint, so to speak. Um, the, the, the big challenge is helping people integrate that and in a way that fits their lifestyle and understanding the nuance of human behavior. And human behavior is arguably just driven primarily by way of cognition, right? The way that we're thinking, whether it's at the level of like, you know, to use Danny Kahneman's whole system one, system two, like it's there's some form of cognition occurring, even if it's like below the level of consciousness or whatever. So it's just that, man. It's just this like I've rediscovered this love of learning. And I was I was I thought I was dumb for my whole life. I thought I was super dumb. I was kind of the dumb one in my family. I didn't like playing games with my family because I felt dumb and I made myself, I created my own aversion towards learning dense subjects that I didn't click with right away. It would be like, oh, I'm stupid. This is, and this isn't for me. So get away from this, move as far away as I can. So I kind of just, I did post-secondary, but it was just more to get the piece of paper so that I could get the job. And then it wasn't until I was like 30 that I started getting into coaching. And then I was in, and then I started, you know, working for Dr. K and Dr. K was transform like a pivotal turning point, like a very, very important mentor in my adult life who, who started to get me thinking in different ways and challenged me. And I just gobbled up so much of that information and wisdom that he instilled and was so fortunate to spend like intimate time with him, you know, on coaches retreats and such and have pretty incredible conversations. You know him like you, he's just someone where you go, you you have one conversation with him directly and you're like, then you have other conversations and you're like, what the hell would he think in this situation? Like he's that next level with his, with his way of looking at things. And, uh, and so he, I just viewed everything as a, I started to view everything as a developable, like a, a skill that could be developed. And so and then I started even combining that with my, my own meditative practice. Like I'd meditated for years, still do. Um, and then I kind of like meshed those two with like Dr. K's sciencey like hard science approach and then the perhaps untapped level of just awareness or what one might call mindfulness that I had acquired through 
years of meditation. And, and then I was able to be like, to sit in that and be like, I'm reading this sciencey jargon paper. And I'm just like, seeing, noticing my thoughts gravitate towards, oh, I must be dumb, because I can't understand this. And I need to read this one sentence, like five times in order to have a general idea of what they're trying to say. Um, so yeah, it was just this like gradual sort of buildup that really came to the surface, you know, within the last couple of years. And now I'm just like eager to learn. I've got rediscovered this love for learning. And now I go towards the shit that confuses me initially, because there's nothing more fulfilling than, or it's, I'll say it's very fulfilling to persist through that initial resistance and then actually understand it you know nice that was a good that was a good line that was really <laughs> good i like that one. Oh, shit nice clear concise oh that was beautiful uh so now i'm very intrigued by your meditation practice because you mentioned earlier where it was more of the science base so wouldn't meditation or i guess mindfulness i guess it could be viewed at as a esoteric practice so what what I'm what I'm viewing is your your meditation practice, and correct me if I'm wrong. And I want to know what your private meditation practice is, but mm -hmm. it has it seems like it has that creative side and the logical side where that's the focus. Where the creative side, I think that's where the uh, the kind of out there ideas, the the things that we can create and manifest into reality, like everything that we see around us was created once in the mind and once in real life. And so when you said that you have the practice, like the mindfulness practice. Uh, based off of Dr. K's stuff, how is it that you combine those two? What's your practice on that one? I might try it out. Oh, I, I don't think I'd have a very like good answer for that because I, I can't say that I've created this, you know, this new formula with combining the two. What I mean more is that, you know, and Dr. K and I talked about this, like he's not, he's not one who's meditated. And I think a lot of hard scientists are not right. Um, or, or maybe just people who are wired a certain way are not. And really like the way that I view what makes me, me right now and you, you is just like a series of learned behaviors combined with like, genetic predisposition so you just had you know a certain set of like triggerable uh genetics factors you know and then you you just went through life and you had a bunch of different learning experiences which continues to this day so just shapes who you are and then we tend to like create stories about here's why I do this and here's why I do this and it's probably a lot of it's probably bullshit right it's like it's like our brain seeking cognitive is our, it's our brain seeking congruence and being like this is why i do this because if i can't explain why i do this then it creates that cognitive dissonance that's quite uncomfortable and so that's actually a fun like side note i love saying that now it's like why do you do this and i'm like oh you know what i could probably tell you a story an elaborate story that would make sense but it's mostly bullshit like really it's just a series of learned reinforcements throughout my life that I that there's way too many variables at play 
for me to be able to say conclusively, this is what caused me to choose this behavior now. I digress. The meditation and the hard science is basically just, I use an app. I use Sam Harris's waking up app. And I still, I've used it since it came out in 2018. It's an incredible app and arguably one of the, it's like the most amount of wisdom in one place. It's, it's amazing. I could not advocate for this app enough because it's not just meditation, it's philosophy, it's practical things like time management and stoic um, stoicism. And it's like, he's taken the absolute creme de la creme as far as knowledgeable experts in those respective fields and got them to create like very structured, easy to digest, you know, sound clips and sort of structured programs. It's, it's, it's a bargain of a, of a deal. So I use that. And I think just, it was more like Dr. K's kind of harder science of behavior that helped me just look at things like again, everything is this skill. You can just develop things. And if you if you suck at something initially, well, there's definitely ways that you can get better at it, you know? So it just, it's, and then I had years of like, maybe that, like I said, untapped mindfulness to be able to apply that slight tweak in the way that I thought about it. It was like the framework from Dr. K that helped me really use that stillness that I had created because I was a very angry, emotionally tumultuous adolescent and young adult. And so I like gravitated towards mindfulness because, and meditation because I had seen so much anecdotal evidence of like it helping people and it really helped me in the first 30 days and I just kept on with it. So yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but it's more of like the, the, the sort of framing of it and then the actual practice of just normal meditation, so to speak. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. So you mentioned Stoic philosophy. Do you have any other kind of philosophies, philosophers, or kind of... uh philosophical inspirations that I shouldn't have even went with the inspirations part, but what are your philosophical inspirations? Great question. Definitely. Like stoicism is definitely up there, you know? Um, I wouldn't say that I have any one philosophical foundation but I like to just steal from everywhere. And um, same. Yeah. And, and and honestly, this is where again, heavily Dr. K influenced, but like, I'm such, whether this is considered philosophical or not, I'm just such a believer in the scientific method. To me, it's just like this, the essence of the scientific method is just, is so pure in my brain because it just by definition is like nothing's proven until we we're just like it's just this there's no dog there's zero room for dogmatic thinking zero and so it's just this like it's almost it's, this it's like unique 
yeah it's just this alleviation of like imagine the fucking not to not to hone in on i hope this doesn't offend anybody in your audience but it's like the weight that some humans must feel having bought into some um you know very not rigid but like just philosophical let's call them worldviews mm-hmm. right if you buy into a worldview and it has some pretty like clear boundaries you start to structure your life around that your friend group the way that you you know behave like conduct in the world and so when evidence comes out or if things change that contradict those that worldview or starts to infringe upon those boundaries man that's like that's pretty scary it's like and obviously so obviously that's where to me from an outside perspective it's like well no wonder why wars happen and like people get so they just double down and then violence occurs because it's like literally them just fighting for everything that they've structured their lives around and the scientific method doesn't allow for that it's like if you are rooted in that sort of thinking it's like this is what we know now based on the evidence that we've accumulated but it's open to change so more evidence may come and it kind of comes full circle with what we we're talking about before with like the influencers who can tap into certain things that just end up confusing the masses because it's a sexier message that is simpler and easier to consume but the real reality the the actual reality is is like this nuance kind of well this is what it might mean this is what this probably means but it's based off this we might we need to study these potential third variables you know and like this one study or even this meta-analysis doesn't necessarily mean this is it for sure it's like it's this ever-evolving sort of methodology which i just like to apply to my life really which is also good because then you get to you get to you got to engage in your curiosity in order to change it or to accept that change bingo man bingo yeah if you're not like if you're not if you're not willing to try some variation of change or if it's too yeah if you're i i i think i think engaging in curiosity is very important i may post uh which is like i love alliterations that's why i post so many alliterations it's just for myself mm-hmm. but uh helps you remember or what yeah yeah nice yeah so yeah. it's so it's i think it was uh clarity curates curiosity or curiosity cl- curates clarity mm-hmm. where i think it kind of goes both then that's kind of cool but yeah. uh when when you're thinking of it it's that curiosity that you get to engage in that and then if you're curating that curiosity then you're getting to develop and grow and then a part of just that learning 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 to which i actually viewed myself as a dumb person for a majority of my life like i did tutoring forever i was held back like two years in elementary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh what else sylvan learning center oh yeah i was like i was there 
I barely passed high school. However, I did have my apprenticeship hours for culinary arts already done before I was done high school. So I was, I could very evidently see where my particular skills were best suited. It was a very, it was a very evident three-year litmus test. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, But yeah, if you, I guess if you don't have that engage, or if you don't engage in that curiosity, if you're not, whether it's with another person or even internally, then you don't get that opportunity to see what could be better because it takes curiosity to see what's better. It doesn't take curiosity to be fearful. It's a great point, man. It's like what you said earlier about that other podcast guest where she, where she was like, after like, wow, that your questions helped me clarify things. And I found the same having been on a couple other podcasts. It's like, just good, good questions, man. We've all heard that cliche, you know, the, the, the something along the lines of like the biggest determinant of your success is the quality of your questions. Mm, nice. um, usually cliches can be, can be pretty, <laughs> you can poke holes in them fairly easily, but like, it's, it's true, man. I Being able to ask those difficult questions, it does definitely curate clarity you're able to be like oh yeah that's not really what i'm after that's not what i want to do or it's a beautiful thing man so yeah curiosity is just like a a foundational um value is is huge mm, i like that that's good i like that the you title is a value that's i and i totally agree with you i think it's a value as well uh so you mentioned that you read read rather than netflix more often than not right mm-hmm. uh so do you uh, do you purposely do it do you just kind of have it integrated into your day my reading mm. um you know what i'd like to be a lot better with with kind of more of a structured schedule around it um but yeah i pretty much read every day at least in the evening um but yeah, generally towards my weeks are kind of front loaded. Like I have really busy nice. early weeks, Monday, Tuesdays, and then I have my all my client check-ins done, and then just a few like client check calls and such, and um, content creation. So that gives me more time and flexibility. It really depends. But yeah, like I have my my reading chair right here with a nice, nice. little light, and uh, it depends on what I'm what I'm interested in at that point and some weeks it's different some weeks it's just like I've like I said I've had that client call and then it gets me thinking about something that would help them or something that would improve my delivery of service and um and that can just be a whole other rabbit hole of like reading in terms of how I can bring that to fruition so to speak how do you approach that do you have like days that you just schedule reading days or something well i do a majority of my reading via audiobook if i'm walking so much gotcha yeah however i might do one that's kind of intentional because whenever i'm going for a walk it's either going to be a podcast or an audiobook i'll kind of flip-flop or music mm-hmm. if i'm like really wound up then i'll just like listen to some tunes but uh i think i'll probably because i was thinking about this today and a book that i talk about all the time on this damn podcast like I should just have it in the link of every episode, but uh, it's the creative act, uh, the art of being by Rick Rubin. And uh. you would, I think you would like it very much. It has a cool combination of just like 
you'll, you'd be able to catch so much psychology, behavioral sciences, uh, a little bit of more of the spirituality kind of component. And it's just thinking of creativity, just in whatever, in, in the sense of the creative, like it mm-hmm. takes creativity to solve problems. Uh, right. Creativity flourishes in times of dissatisfaction. Because anytime that we are dissatisfied with something, we need creativity in order to resolve the problem. Right. Like we have jackets that have little heat lamps in them, not heat lamps, but heat thingies, right? That's a resolution to a dissatisfaction. That's a pretty damn creative idea. But um, what was I going to say? But I might actually make that more, make that audiobook more of a focal point and have it mm. where it's uh, 18, 18 minutes in the morning where I kind of listen to it. Cause I find that my, I really get my thoughts going because he's going from an objective kind of how we're talking about curiosity as a skill, as a way of engaging, as a way of um, going about and having deeper connections with individuals. Uh, He talks about creativity from a way that's like much more 30,000 foot view, but I believe everyone could very much relate to because in some way someone's a creative, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also, honestly, 18 minutes in the morning, What there's a reason for it. It was, uh, I don't think it was Malcolm Gladwell, but it was the 100, 100 hour rule or something like that. And by the end of 100 hours, which yeah. by the year or by the end of the year, 100 hours by the end of the year, which is 18 minutes per day, you right. end up in the top 95th percentile of that particular skill or absorption right, right. or to get mediocre at the thing you're studying yeah and so there's a lot of like i made a ton of posts that were very much inspired by the audiobook so i think i'll have that just to kind of set the foundation for my day because i always feel like i'm much more present after listening to it so mm. kind of like that kind of style but it's mm. not some it's not just the knowledge it's also the positive feedback i get from the rest of my day as a result of doing that behavior in the morning right Totally, totally. I listened to it before this and I was like, I have a question here and it's going to be a really cool one. I think it's going to be neat because of of how you also went along with uh, um, the going with this more talking about the science aspect of things. So, and this is a question I thought of when I was out for my walk. I'm like, (laughs) question for Rye. So I got, I got a good one. You ready for this one? I'm ready. Lay it on me. So if, and it has to do with books. Okay. So I warmed you up with the book question. Yeah. Yes. If there was some sort of catastrophe that basically Mm -hmm. wiped out about 78% of the human race, Mm -hmm. all the books that ever existed were demolished and the only book to survive became the religion due to its knowledge, what would the paperback you would choose be? And no existing spiritual practices can be included. Okay, wait, I want to understand. 78% is a very specific number, by the way. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, okay. think, I think most so people would recommend, I think like 75 or 80. I'm like, ah, there's 22% of the population remaining. Yeah, okay, and the so book you choose is the new religion. The book, oh, so it's it's not, so it's not, the book that I choose is the new religion and it's not, it doesn't have to be a religious book. Correct. Okay. Preferably okay. not a religious book. Right. Damn, bro. That's a great question. Um, Just wondering myself as well. Yeah. You know, the, um, 
this is a book this is a book that i haven't revisited now in this in this thought experiment is so everybody the remaining population has all the sort of like existing knowledge let's say it's experience. a blank slate oh it's a blank slate yeah let's go blank slate because i'll just make it a little bit simpler i think okay gotcha or it might um, put more pressure on the on the book but basically everyone will run their lives based off of this book oh my god <laughs> yeah I know. that's wild <laughs> when i th that's first wild. thought of this question i wasn't thinking oh yeah we're gonna have freaking layers on this one but yeah it, yeah it makes sense look in hindsight yeah, yeah it makes sense. Yeah. rudolph the red-nosed reindeer there you go yeah. no. <laughs> the uh be a misfit. exactly even even red nose and all okay so i would say Man, that's tough because so much of what I read is like nonfiction. Not that that doesn't change the question really, but like it's just so specific to it's not really so much of what I read lately is 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 not as kind of broad reaching. It's not like this generally, it's more specific to a specific thing, you know, mm -hmm. getting more granular. So it makes me really think. I'll tell you straight up, like. A book that really transformed my thinking probably like eight to ten years ago was was The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know how I would process that same book now because my thinking is very much changed, right? And there's I have a lot more skepticism towards some of the more metaphysical spiritual stuff, even though I do consider my like I meditate every day like i'm very i consider myself what most would define as fairly spiritual um there's plenty of things that science can admit they we can't just we can't sort of explain right anyways Ghosts. that yeah that's that's like the that's like the main um book that stands out from more of just a you couldn't really go wrong you know um but yeah, I mean, just just anything kind of in that more. Yeah, man, I'd have to think about that. What would That's yours be? One. Yeah, uh, I I chose not to think about it until I asked you because I thought that nice. would be, yeah, I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to come into that kind of a question prepared. Yeah. Uh, so, OK, <clears throat> I, too, am struggling with this question. And uh it's a tough one, man. I think meditations, Marcus Aurelius. Great one, man. Great yeah. one. I think that one, yeah. that one's my safe bet. That's me being safe. Yeah. For sure. No, that's, that's an amazing one. Absolutely. What a crazy, like that meditate that it's just, it's mind blowing to me that, that sort of, um, yeah, man, when you read meditations and, and you think about the context of the position of power that he had and what he could have gotten away with, like crazy, the, the lack of just moral corruption that he embodied was, was, it's just mind blowing. And during that time too, it's just crazy. It's crazy. And he was like, he was warring most of that too and a plague and he went into debt and sold yeah. most of the palace's stuff 
And something I love about meditations is because they're his meditations. They're his thoughts to himself. And I think yeah, that there's exactly, I think understanding that that were, those were his thoughts and 2000 ish years ago, and mm -hmm. they're resonating with us today. Yeah. That just goes to show that this one person who is the most powerful person on the planet at that point in time, mm -hmm. he had to temper himself. He had to like check himself before he wrecked himself. And that yeah. was the way he did that. Little, little, he was like the, the modern day ice cube. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? But it's crazy. I think something it is crazy, man. From like a, like a sciencey kind of observation lens kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that it la like that lasted or it's lasting so long that we are learning so much from like the philosophers from back in the day that yeah. it's just it's just crazy where that is just uh well it's just like uh, I believe it was Arthur Ellis Something? Albert Albert Ellis thank you he, mm -hmm. he introduced cognitive behavioral therapy into the world of psychiatry and cognitive behavioral therapy is just in my mind, to my understanding, if I'm wrong, let me know. But it is a integration of Stoic philosophy into the practice. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, his, his story is one of the most fascinating. His like guy was a psychotherapist for years, started off with CBT and then went back to more psychotherapy related approach to it. And then was like, kind of disgruntled with the lack of progression in his clients and then created rational emotive behavior therapy and like and then just yeah it was i agree it, it is very there's a lot of stoicism in it for sure tons is there a difference between rational emotive uh what was that again not rational emotive behavioral therapy behavioral therapy. that's what that's what albert ellis created and I think, yeah, it's, who who knows the new, the like, I think Anthony Beck may be the, the guy who's coined as the creator of CBT. Mm. Um, but there's so much overlap, you know, and um, again, yeah, again, Dr. K hugely got me in, involved or aware of, of Albert Ellis and I've since devoured some of his audio books and and he's got old like clips of of um live therapy that he did on like it's on youtube it's like in black and white that's cool he's, yeah this is like in the 70s or some shit but uh but yeah he was just he was um pretty pretty astounding guy who just believes firmly in like identifying demands underlying demands and that continues to be one of the most pivotal things in my own life. If I'm upset, it's like, what am I, is there an underlying demand here? Am I demanding something of myself, of others, or of, of the world? It's like, this, this should be easier. I need to, you know, I need to perform to a certain level to earn the respect of others, or they need to treat me the way that I demand they they do or else they're a rotten person you know like you can sort of like put these tangible okay what am i what am i demanding here and then if you can write it out it's like this tangible sort of thing that you can go well 
there's obviously no evidence for this. Like there's no, there's no, where is it written that I should perform? I should be doing better than I am. Where is that written? Where is there, where's the omniscient being who's saying this is where you should be. It's like, it doesn't exist. So it helps orient towards like evidence and, and Albert Ellis was, was quite a like pioneer in the sense that he was like it was philosophy, a lot of it stoic, combined with like at that day, time modern day psychotherapy and science, which which those two were quite divided and still arguably are to some degree. But like he really kind of bridged all those, and uh, yeah, man, it's wild. And implemented the overlaps exactly yeah yeah totally it's good i think that there's i think uh i think um engaging in curiosity going back to the curiosity part because i think it's a cool combo uh engaging Mm -hmm. in the curiosity i think is really cool in a way where you get to find those overlaps rather than just acknowledge things as absolutes big time man so it's like so it's like you're yeah so you're you're looking at the absolutes like oh i don't want to try that because of this reason and it could be whatever right yeah rather than being like oh maybe there is one thing that i can take and then scratch out the rest and i forget uh who was it it was uh clean off the meat and throw out the bone oh yeah right chris maxwell his mentor joe marku said take the meat throw out the bone kind of idea where mm-hmm. you just take the stuff that's useful, which a bone mm-hmm. is useful. You can turn into bone broth and stuff, but uh, you can take the the meat. Who's got it, time for that? Yeah, yeah, bone exactly. <laughs> yeah. Give me the meat. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you just take the things, the components that perk your curiosity in whatever that could be. So if it, I I usually veer towards a practice of self betterment self-improvement or just kind of learning skills just because I think it's fun to learn skills and I don't put a, I don't put a lot of pressure on myself to be really, really freaking good. So it makes for simpler progression and skill acquisition, but um, yeah, engaging that curiosity allows us to be able to take the pieces of things that improve our well-being and our life and maybe our mental and physical fitness. And then we actually just get to negate all the other stuff by choice but by thinking of things in absolutes, we don't have a choice. We're mm. just always going to suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or I exactly. would always suck. <laughs> Dude. Oh man. Yeah. That resonates big time. Cause that's uh, the absolute stuff. That's probably another very key principle of like what I try and notice in myself and with clients, do they think kind of, do they give things labels and are they thinking binarily is it like this or this when in reality there's just this whole we can we can remove the labeling it's like oh i suck at this and i use language like that sometimes in content just for like because you you try and use the language it's like towing that line between what's going to resonate with your with people who you can help and and then drawing them in and then helping them start to unpack that stuff but like in my own life just anecdotally one of the most transformational things is the removal of anything that i cannot give a universally agreed upon truth so if i use a label like good bad suck 
you know, big, small, who the fuck knows? Like that means different things to everybody. It's like, totally. you know what I mean? So instead, Dr. K, you always say, stick, stick to the fucking facts, man. Like, how can you describe it? And it's a super taxing, cognitively taxing endeavor in the beginning. And when, when I was so fortunate enough to have those kinds of conversations with him and then like go into the rest of my everyday life and start to audit my own language use and, and then hear, you know, converse with people who I have relationships with. And then they say things that I'm, <laughs> it's like trying to, trying to translate. And it's this very, arduous and like frustrating process because we so habitually just just describe things screw this thing sucks that thing's awesome i suck oh now tomorrow i'm awesome you know like instead you're like well wait a minute here what's actually happening what what universal truths can i describe instead of explaining i did this because i suck or i was scared it's like no what can i actually describe that that everybody could agree upon you know and and that is this interesting thing and also beautiful opportunity because your entire day exists of opportunities to to literally transform the way that you think because the way that you speak you end up thinking with those terms and then it comes right back full circle with the beliefs aspect that we talked about. Right. So it's like, you know, I suck. I suck at this turns into, you know, I'm currently performing below the level that I would like to perform at in this certain thing. And like of those two, what gives you a fighting chance of like developing skills to improve well, the I suck thing is just like, oh, that therefore I'm a sucky person and I might as well go die in a hole, you know, like, so fuck, man. It's like, I get so fired up about it because I used to just upset myself all day, every day. I, I was actually just going to ask, um, I was going to ask that what, would you be able to describe Cause I think, cause I, okay, I, I'll, I'll go with where my thinking was going with this one. I can resonate with that very much. So because I used to uh, not make the best decisions perpetually and then started thinking about it and going through the same process of just having that self-awareness and actually asking, okay, is this constructive or destructive? Is this, mm. I, I I've actually started coining it as, is this a functioning opinion or a non-functioning opinion? Mm. And so that's been very helpful for my categorizing because I, yes. I still want to use categorizing because it's just yeah. easier for the brain to organize. For sure. But when I've been using those as a cue, I've been finding mm -hmm. that I've put a lot less pressure on a lot of things going on. So for example, like it could be a one part practice, but one part like, uh, like just being really intentional about it, but it's the, mm -hmm. this, I get the same sensations from starting a podcast as I did the first one which is still, uh, Leah, who I had on a podcast, she said it awesome. She says, it's not anxiety, it's anxiety. So it's excitement, anxiety. And I freaking love that because fear, fear and excitement 
anxiety and excitement have the same physiological responses. The only mm-hmm. variable that's different is the story that we associate with it. Mm-hmm. So now, so I would say that I was still nervous to hop on the, on the podcast, but I'm also much more excited about it because I get you to change, change the framing. Yeah. Yeah. And i I found the way that I kind of, now I'll ask you the question. When you went from that experience where you were just being an asshole to yourself, mm-hmm. I think it'd probably be a pretty self safe way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Can you describe the mental clarity or the changes or like something where it's just like, was there a moment over learning when, while you were learning where it, everything just kind of clicked and you're like, Whoa, like you're looking around the world and it feels however your brain can feel it, but it feels different. Would you be able to describe that if that happened or anything like that? I think it was more gradual. And there was a few moments where I just, I had that Holy shit moment of reflection because I could just see that there, the frequency of my upsetness had just fallen off a cliff and it still happens of course i'm human but it's just like the the capacity to 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 avoid fueling that fire or amplify that those distortions is a superpower I was a I was a very angry kid. I was an angry kid with and an angry young adult. Like I just had bad anger, and um, it was always towards myself, always. And it, it just some of these like blind rage is all I can describe it as. Get even kind of emotional thinking about it. Like it just it wrecked my my life. It was just this like very glaring sort of stain upon my existence and that's what got me into meditation and and then again with that all that I described with kind of the combining of that with the incredible lessons that I learned from Dr. K and just the whole breadth of like um reading that he got me into as a result of that yeah, the short answer is is I don't remember any specific moment. I just remember this like steady persistence and a newfound level of persistence with things that I otherwise would have like created such an internal aversion towards, such internal resistance towards that I would have just ran in the other direction. And this allowed me to just gradually start chipping away at things, which I still continue to chip away and always will. And so there was just been many moments since where I'm like, wow, man, like I just, I'm able to be so proud of myself. I'm like, I can be the, you know, you can be the fucking leader, you know, man in your own life and in your loved one's lives and also have that sort of like vulnerability to be like, this is where I still struggle. And, and also to to have that self-compassion or whatever you want to call it to be like, I'm so proud of myself for doing the things that I've done because all that stuff is scary. Doing a podcast is scary. Being on film is scary. Putting yourself out there is scary. 
having someone pay you good money to like help them in their journey is scary. Starting a business, like for some fuck man, conversing with a stranger is scary. You know, like it's all, there's just a whole spectrum. So it's like those little, the, the little bits of successive approximation or baby steps towards your goals is, is, uh, is such a, it's such a, like a beautiful aspect of life that, that I think many people sadly um, are unfortunate enough to not even discover. And I know that I would have been that person. I'm pretty confident that had I not had exposure to this kind of stuff, I might've been just lived my life as like this angry sort of, uh, mildly fulfilled uh person who lived well below their potential what would you so knowing with especially that that was such a fantastic share thank you very much for uh sharing your story on that one if you were to go back in time and you were to say to your younger self in the most compassionate way possible what advice would you give that young rye oh man I would say um, it wouldn't affect your future at all. It would just be completely by itself. <laughs> okay. I would say no alternate would, timelines. Yeah. I, I'm going to base it off of um, reasonable evidence of like, um, no, I'll just say this. It's, it's uh, at the end of their lives, people don't, regret what they did they regret more so what they didn't do so that would be the piece that i would give my my young self because i again was very restricted for many years and and i know even i i hope to just continue this progression and 10 years from now there'll be things that i'm scared to do right now that i'll be doing that my 46 year old self will be like do this you know but i can see we're moving in that direction we're facing that kind of challenge so it'd be that it'd be like people don't people tend to more so regret what they did not do that's awesome yeah yeah, that that ties into the the final two questions actually as well so that's this is a good little good little flow (laughs) all right oh yeah so uh yeah Oh, this is like whole last chunk is getting super heavy, man. Saucy, man. Yeah, saucy. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So the first one, the first one is uh, pretty simple. But before I get into that, I just want to say thank you very much for coming on to the podcast, my man. You are a fantastic fellow. I've really been enjoying your content. Uh, Your post is really fun. Uh, And yeah, yeah, you're a good fellow. You're well-intentioned. I think you got some really good vibes. Otherwise, I wouldn't want to chat with you. And, um, I just appreciate you being here. I appreciate that. I had you as a coach for a period of time. It was fantastic. It was a good experience. You're, you're a very good coach. I will say that you're a very good coach, my man. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. pleasure. So the final two questions, first one set in context, Mm -hmm. you're on your deathbed. Yes. One piece of advice that you can pass on to the people around you. What will that be? piece of advice be the same one i figured it would be <laughs> that last one was so good could you riff on it a little bit a little yeah bit? yeah 
I, I was I, I I'm glad you asked for that because I was thinking like how could I make that better? Um, yeah, it's just like ultimate, and it kind of does because people when older people are actually no, that's not true. What I've I looked into this <laughs> at some point was like, what do old people regret? Like, mm. what do they regret? A lot of them regret worrying so much but then you fall into the trap of being like well fuck man you you just tell people don't worry so much it's like i don't know obviously my brain wants to have this like crazy profound wisdom to instill i find it so challenging to have universally applicable advice and i think that sometimes i i see influencers and such try and do that and it's like "Mm." There's just so much nuance. So it's obviously all contextual to me, but yeah, I'd be like, find ways, find ways to, to worry less, find ways to just like, accept, um, accept whatever outcome, but I guess it kind of ties in with, with um, what I was saying, because, because usually it's worries and fear that that restricts people from doing stuff and again people don't necessarily people less so regret the things they did than the things they didn't do mm-hmm. at least to my knowledge i don't know i'll probably be on my deathbed and be like wow that was really stupid i'll watch a recording of this and be like <laughs> fuck fuck i didn't know anything <laughs> yeah you're like so now dumb. that I'm actually on my deathbed. I'm really thinking about it. That was <laughs> yeah. just a shit answer. Yeah, that was terrible. Eat more, <laughs> no. eat more ice cream, Mikey. Eat more my, ice cream. <laughs> I'll be like riddled with Alzheimer's. Very, very like severe dementia. It'll be and eat more ice cream, something like that. Fair enough. I think that's. I think that's also great advice too. That's there awesome. I personally think that that advice was fantastic, and I think it could very well um resonate with a lot of folks i definitely think so so i I think it was fantastic because uh we can think of it as a way of um we are an accumulation of the regrets that we are okay with living with Mm. that's kind of like that kind of kind of similar way i suppose yeah what would yours be you've asked that question a bunch do you have one in the in the barrel ready to go you know what? I actually don't. So this is my first time actually being asked this question. Okay, what's my own question? So I'm on my death. I'm on my deathbed. Yeah, you're on your deathbed. And I have one, one piece of piece advice of I can advice. pass on. Yeah. Man, right. You're the first person to ask you this. Oh nice. shit. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. It's so tough, right? Because it's it like is. you want it to be. You want it to be impactful, but then you you think about just everybody the 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 language thing is tough because people translate things so differently so it's hard to have that i think yeah i think so um stop trying to or stop pretending to be important start pretending to be good Mm. i like it i think that's what pretending to be important nice start pretending to be good i like it dude 
Yeah, that's a good one. I'm yeah, I'm gonna write down my own freaking quote, man. <laughs> knowledge bomb. Yeah, knowledge bomb. Add some add some audio in there. I like oh, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I I have this idea where because I a buddy of mine asked once like do you, do you think there's any meaning to life, and I I go from like a big pers- I like going from micro to macro, and I think that life is both meaningful and meaningless at the same time. It's mm-hmm. meaningless because of how finite we are, and we don't really have much of a contribution to the universe as a whole. However, it is meaningful because we get to experience this finite amount of time. And we get to observe the environment around us in a way that spontaneous creatures that began at the point of time get to by fluke be here. 400 trillion to one is the odds of a human being existing. Mm. So I think, yeah. So, so I think it's like people pretend to be so important, but I don't think... I, I think for myself, I'm not an important person. I'm just an average guy trying to do cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love and it, then, man. And therefore pretending to be good, everyone knows the idea of how to, how everyone has like an, uh, a sort of amalgamation of what they believe to be a good person, which is good because we're going to tie it into the last question too. Mm-hmm. But when we're, when we, we think about it, but we don't act in congruence. So it could be something simple. Or if I think of, or if I recognize something and then I walk by it and I feel like, oh, fuck, then I'll just give into my desire to just do something good. Cause I do have a desire to do things good. Sometimes I'll just like, like I'll litter a little bit here. I'll admit it. I'm not perfect. No way, no way at all, but I'm more mindful of it. And where I think where I can logically justify me taking the time to put in the effort to do whatever that particular action of a good person would be, then I think I I kind of convince myself into doing it because it hits it hits all the I can't fight the logic. <laughs> right. right. So yeah, I think that's uh yeah, pretending to be good. And then that's all we're doing is we're just a bunch of actors. And we're just partaking in this big play. And we yeah. just we very not enough folks, in my opinion, are choosing to act out the role that they wish to play. They'd rather mm-hmm. just play a supporting cast or a supporting role in this video game of life. Video game in yeah, the man. matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Which pill will we take? Honestly, we both the it's blue so, and the red. I think I watched a YouTube video as to what would happen, and I don't actually know fully. But there was a there was a time that I was actually at a birthday, mm-hmm. my buddy Kalen's birth, birthday, Steve's birthday too, and shout out to um, Steve and Kalen. Yeah, exactly. And there was my friend Rich, who I was telling you about earlier, who's yep. basically the MC of anything. Yeah, yeah. And him and his wife, uh, when we, we were talking about matrixy kind of stuff and just like trippy stuff, like we were just we were just like chillaxing, shooting the shit, and they were the first people that we're kind of like blue pill all the way, baby blue pill all the way. But it's, and when you watch them, they're very present with each other. They're present in the area. They're enjoying their life as a whole. And Mm -hmm. I know them and they do that intentionally. Like it's not, it's not by accident that they are living the life that they want. So I think it's interesting Mm -hmm. how a lot of people want to escape the matrix while I think that we have a huge impact where we are each the one in our own way. Hmm. Yeah, like it's the cool. framing, man. No, it's, little... it's, it's, yeah. 
it's it's that's the thing that makes the the advice piece so difficult because it's there's so much there to like unpack and it means it's like what works for one person can be just ineffective for another so that's the fascinating aspect of just even human language and such and i'm again like i said earlier like i just i lack the intellect at this point to like be able to you know really unravel those layers because i i poke holes in my own sort of framing (laughs) that works like i'll be like this this resonates with me but then i'll be like yet i can see how it'll it wouldn't land with another person because it's vague in this regard or something so it's just like but but that's the beauty of humans love stories right stories and just the sort of like that resonates with me and that's also a cool aspect of what we do because you can like you can you can put forth those sorts of thoughts that have worked for you and then like other yous who are where you were five years ago are like oh fuck this guy said some shit on his content that like it just clicked in my brain i love that movie or whatever and then he's like reaching out to you and be like dude let's talk about getting ripped (laughs) yeah that's awesome dude yeah uh and then right the final question drum roll drum roll yeah the final question is the best version of you the higher self the most self-actualized who you envision to be the uh, unreal most level 100 version of rye okay yeah Mm -hmm. that rye comes along and sits next to you and wants to give you a piece of advice for this season of your life what is that piece of advice Um, go probably just go towards your fears. Yeah, that'd be it. Go towards your fears. I had a lot of them. I've had my, my adult life just kind of governed by fear and with, with awareness of that comes inherent change and then it ha- and that's like it's almost like newbie gains in the gym you know you can like make some gains with regards to your behavior with the newfound awareness of those fears rather than goal setting you're like what am i scared of right now what am, what am i scared of mm. in life what tends to and then you start to realize holy shit so much of my day so much of my behavior is actually governed by like this sort of looming fear of failure of rejection of judgment of most mostly to do with like social aspects of being human um and then you get those newbie gains and then you like you got to be really intentional with pushing past those and structuring your life in a way where you're like well damn it i know that if this is important to me just like if I were to want to get better at shooting a basketball, I got to like maybe learn some theory, but mostly shoot some basketballs. So like, how do I structure my life day to day in a way that helps me chip away at that, knowing that it's a process? So yeah, I think that's what he would say, man. 
Nice. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. What would what would Kyle 2.0 say? Uh, you knew I was gonna reverse yeah, that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I only have I only have two finishing questions. There's yeah. no hell. 50% of those questions is not gonna be asked to me. Uh what would mine be? Uh, um you know what? I I I think I've kind of pondered this one before a couple of times, but the advice that my the best version of me would actually say if you popped up and was like, "Hey, Kyle, man, I got one piece of advice for you," and I'd be like, "What's up? What's up?" Uh, so and it bro. would and it would be um, maintain the speed wobble. What does that mean? So the maintain the speed wobble has been my kind of mantra of that Goldilocks zone between difficult and easy. Oh, the speed wobble. That's hilarious. Right? Because you're going yeah. fast, so you're getting the speed. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. more often than not, anytime I've speed wobbled, I've biffed it real hard. But yeah, the, I've same. seen YouTube videos of like wins and stuff where people are maintaining a speed wobble somehow. And I'm like, wow, but they're still moving. So they're moving at max capacity of the, the bike, for example. Yeah. But they're also like maintaining control somehow. Yeah. And that combination where it's order and chaos at the same time, like there's a beautiful balance at that moment. And so when you're ma- maintaining the speed wobble in life, it's just, okay, so I'm actually capable of handling this amount. Okay. How much more could I handle? Mm-hmm. So I'm just making sure I have all the systems organized so that I'm more effective with my time mm-hmm. and my strategies and activities. So I'm much more intentional. Mm-hmm but it's scary as fuck mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. at any point, any, like anything can like just shit the bed. So I'm just been very intentional and been very uh, focused and structured, but still enjoying everything else around. So I'm, I'm embodying the chaos and the order. I'm in, aiming to embody the uh, structure and looseness, like a balance between those and it's been it's been interesting. It's been interesting. So maintaining the speed wall, I know where this trajectory is going to take me. Mm-hmm. I have no doubts of what I can envision in the future. Like I can see the future. It's just maintaining the speed wall so that I don't move. I move at a sp- pace where I can say, okay, I'm definitely making progress, mm-hmm. but also not so much where I'm just going to biff it and fall on my face. Love that, dude. I'll, I'll tell you this, man. Um, I obviously have minimal context with regards to as we, we both do, it's like we've communicated a bit, but we really just sort of see each other's social media. But like you said, like we, we go back, you know, maybe a couple of years when you started at TKN and uh, I'm inspired by, by your persistence and just, I see what you do online and you I have zero doubt what you just said. I know that you've got that. It's evident that you have that clear vision and you're you're not going to stop until you get that because I see you just consistently leveling up and doing more. Th- like every time I look at your page or see a post from you, it's just like incrementally better and just I can see you're on a mission, so to speak, to come full circle with what I said before we even started recording. But uh I I believe in you, bro. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I think you're doing fantastic too, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you kindly.
Thanks so, for having me on. That yeah, was fun, sure. man. Absolutely. Now I got a nice little outro. And folks, that's what I got for you for today's episode. Ryan, my friend, where can people find you? Mm. Instagram is uh, coach underscore Rye Hickey, R-Y-H-I-C-K-E-Y. That's probably mm. the best spot. Yeah. Excellent. And if you love today's episode, folks, please do me a favor right now. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me with my handle at Warrior Body Kyle and coach at coach underscore Rye Hickey. That is one of the ways that we grow. And until next time, I hope your day treats you as good as you look.